everybody. Scott Bowden and Brian Last, right along ringside and ready to go with another big day of Kentucky Fried. Uh oh. Oh my God, Brian. That music can only mean one thing Jim Cornette? No. Loverboy Dennis and beautiful Bobby? The Midnight Express? Don't be ridiculous. Wait a second. Is that a mysterious black Hummer pulling up to the studio? Looks more like a beat up van. Aha! Beat up van, it must be Sweet Stan. Oh, that's just fabulous. What? I said, that's just fabulous. Oh my god, the music is driving me crazy. Watch out, Madness is running wild here in the KFR studio. Oh, well, it got a little quieter. Look, you know damn well what that music means. Beautiful Bobby and lover boy Dennis, the Midnight Express. Oh, dude, stop it. It's another ICW invasion. Hey, dude, hey, dude, hey, the van doors are opening, and oh, man, that's Rip Rogers. Hustler? Well, it sure as hell ain't Larry Flint. He doesn't even work here. Uh-oh, you think he's still mad about those ICW t-shirts? You mean the 100% comb cotton tees available in gold, red, and white for selling over at KentuckyFodWrestling.BigCartel.com? You really need to think about shortening that URL. I'm aware. Seriously, though, does Rip look pissed? Uh, forget about it. He always looks pissed. Like, kind of like Ole Anderson. That's very reassuring. I, you know what? Let, let's just go to a break. That really is a sweet van. Great. <laughs> Folks, we'll be right back, I hope, with another big day of the KFR podcast after this important macho message. Wow, Rip really does look pissed off. Wonderful. We'll be right back. Championship Wrestling. Saturday night, June 21st at 8.15 at the A.B. Combs Elementary School. Featuring Jeff Sword versus Rick McCord. Pistol Pez Wally. Versus the Enforcer. Then it's Girls, Girls, Girls. Featuring Debbie Combs. Versus the Country Girl. I love chicken gizzards. I love jumbo pies. And the main event, Randy Macho Man Savage versus Leaping Lanny. Saturday night, 8.15 at the A.B. Combs Elementary at Combs, Kentucky. Championship Wrestling, sponsored by the Combs Volunteer Fire Department. And we are back on Kentucky Fried Wrestling. Our guest today is one of the most soft-spoken, decent human beings you will ever find in the wrestling business. Actually, that is a damn lie, and I, our sensors, I, I, I see you guys over there, they're looking quite nervous <laughs> in the control room today. That's because we have one of the original ICW outlaws on the program. He is not a man of few words, but if he were, fucking would definitely be one of them, as that's his favorite fucking adjective. Ironically, he grew up not far from the KFR studio here in Hollywood. But after losing out on the part of Luke Skywalker to Mark Hamill in Star Wars, this blonde future superstar hopped in his convertible, floored it, 
and screamed profanities at everybody on the 20th Century Fox lot and kept going until Tinseltown was out of sight in his rearview mirror. He didn't let off the gas until he reached Kentucky, where he would help establish one of the most exciting and controversial wrestling promotions in history. That's right, folks. We're continuing our look at International Championship Wrestling, ICW. And this our, our guest owned part of that promotion, along with Angelo Poffo, and his sons, Leaping Lanny and Randy Macho Man Savage. He eventually formed a tag team with two other natural blondes, Gary Royal and Pez Watley, and they quickly ran roughshod over the ICW as U.S. Tag Team Champions. He was such a damn hard worker that even Pete Rose admired the way he hustled. Today, he's one of the most renowned trainers in the business, and he's none too shy to tweet about everything that sucks about the business we both grew up loving. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Larry, F- Larry Flint's favorite professional athlete, Hustler Rip Rogers. Well, thanks, Scott, and fuck you too, asshole. <laughs> From the non-pussy getting inside of town, motherfucker, you so fucking dick, motherfucker. Anyway, and I got the name Hustler because me and Playboy Buddy Rose was in Portland, Oregon. We was at Sandy Bar's fucking flea market. Buddy was reading a Playboy. I said, hey, Playboy with the Playboy. He said, Hustler, grab the Hustler. So I was looking at the Hustler magazine. We got a picture taken with, so Playboy Buddy Rose named me Hustler, so... It's been the hustler ever since then, and another fucking bag of trips on a fucking secret. Didn't know that fucking did you? I did not know that. And who who was Penthouse? Penthouse magazine, but Larry Flint. Well, yeah, but who? But if Buddy Rose was the Playboy, you were the hustler. Who was Penthouse? Fucking outhouse, motherfucker. <laughs> Oh, shit. Okay. Well, listen, I know that you listened to the KFR podcast for the first time last week. We, uh, we had our special guest, Izzy Slapowitz. And, uh, you know, I, I think you, you put it over for the most part. But but before we get going here, I want you to tell our listeners everything that we got fucking wrong last week. Well, fuck. Well, we, well fuck it. Izzy had a fucking picture on him. He had a fucking Slapowitz syndicate fucking set, spelled wrong on his fucking shirt. <laughs> So I tweeted about that motherfucker or Facebook, whatever the fuck that is. And Izzy said, I said, it had to be a fucking free shirt. Izzy said, yeah, it was a free shirt. I said, the thought so. He spelled his goddamn fucking name wrong. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, but, boy. But you, you was a big basketball fan, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. What was the, what was the Kentucky Colonel's first official crowd? Oh, gosh. Uh... 13,067. Look it up, motherfucker. <laughs> Okay, I'll do that now. <laughs> okay, do that. Okay. Anyway, what was we talking about? ICW? Yes. March, March, March 13th, 1979, it all started. It under David Tong, director, Channel 41, WDRB TV in Louisville, Kentucky. Man. How's that? Was that supposed to be Randy? <laughs> no, uh-uh. That was fucking me. I was take, I'm on the shitter taking a shit, asshole. <laughs> Are you? Oh wait! Are you? Are you on the toilet now? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> wait, is that because this program is the shits? <laughs> no, just your fucking matches. I think you fucking manage it. Fucking promo. <laughs> oh god. Well, we're off to a roaring start here. Uh, but one thing that that uh, I found interesting because the TV, the ICW TV, was just so tremendous, and uh, I, I know that you guys. We're running up against Jarrett uh, booking shows at the Cook Convention Center, uh, and I I knew that the crowd the crowds probably weren't selling out. I mean that's a, that's a pretty big building, uh, the Cook. I think it 
would hold about eight or 9,000 people. Uh, but he said you guys drew 254 for the first show. You say that uh, you guys uh, drew 1,000. Uh, no, it was over 1,000 because he had a 543 ticket price. Okay. And the gross was, was $4,900-some dollars. Gotcha. So uh, you divide that by an average number. No matter what number it is, you're going to fucking have over 1,000 fucking people. So what, what it is, like dumbasses, instead of going in with a small setup, and you know what I mean? And maybe fucking uh, saying, oh, fuck, we packed that some bitch. Let's try the big one next time. Like dumbasses, we went in and spent the fucking extra money. Uh, to, we did everything wrong in promotion there fucking was. Because we just a bunch of fucking goofs that worked hard and loved fucking wrestling and did nothing but, but make fucking mistakes. So we had, the, we had the, the, the weaker TV stations in the shittier time slot, even though we had guys that would work their fucking balls off, guys that knew the fucking business. But if you're not a goddamn... Uh, a promoter like fucking Jerry Jarrett was, it's fucking better his whole goddamn life. You ain't got a fucking chance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, we, and we was fighting, we was fighting Jerry Jarrett. We was fighting Dick the Bruiser. We was fighting Bob Geigel. We was fighting uh, Ron Fuller. We was fighting fucking Charlotte. We was fighting everybody. It's not fighting. It was just competition. Right. Hell, you got to remember, the NWA was basically like a, mon- a, a real monopoly. Mm-hmm. Where they would blackball people and and they didn't mess with your TVs or stuff like that, and uh, all of a sudden, hell, all Angelo and Randy did, they wanted to work where they could work, and not many people is going to hire somebody, you know, three of three of you, you know what I mean? And then uh, especially like Fuller, he gave his power to to other guys, and they fucking took his goddamn territory from him basically, and ran him out of fucking town. He went back down to southeastern, right, and uh, uh, moved down to fucking uh, uh, Pensacola and started down there and everything. So this is a fucking doggy dog goddamn business, and and the fucking the, the promoters were the goddamn den of thieves. And that's the fucking way it is. That's the way it's always going to be. Uh, the thing that was good about it, there was so many places to fucking work. And now you work for uh, 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 WWE or you got Impact or uh, 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 the, the Ring of Honor, and there's not much else Not much else out there. And well, it used to be about, about 800 guys making a fucking living in North America, you know, uh, in pro wrestling. And now there ain't F.A., fuck all. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a real damn shame. I mean, there used to be, uh, as you said, I mean, the, the guys who were on top today are making more money than ever. I mean, without a doubt. Oh my God. By far. The, the select, yeah. The select few are making mega, ma- uh, so much money. You could never even think about it. Right. But then the guys that had fucking cr- solid careers, wrestled 20 fucking years, seen the fucking world and, uh, uh, did it fucking all. Now you got the same fucking cookie cutter matches, the same fucking style, the same fucking shit. Now the checks don't bounce, which is, which is great with that. And all you got to do is what the boss says. He creates the rules. He creates the situation. All you got to do is say, yes, sir. And do exactly as he says. And he okays everything. So anything you see on TV, it's no surprise. He okays everything. Uh, uh, looks at, Oh, I ripped a hell of a fucking, Hard here, yeah. You know, you know what? I, it's it's impressive. I can even smell it. So let's. Well, I don't know. I don't you smell, but you can hear some of that bitch. Wow, that motherfucker rippled. My fucking packing was moving on that son of a bitch. But anyway, uh, well, anyway, whatever we fucking talk about, let's 
uh, keep going with it. What but the yeah, fuck? we were just we were just talking about like you know it's, it's a damn shame that you know a guy could could wrestle in Memphis, you know, uh, on the mid card or, or near the top and and make a damn have a damn good life. You know, yeah, uh, tri- trip's not too bad. Really, the the worst trip is you know the Memphis to to Louisville. Um, uh-huh. man, just, it's just a shame that, that so many guys have, have lost that. And one of, one of my all time favorite guys who was in that position and really didn't want to leave, had a chance to go to Crockett was, uh, Tory Graham, you know, the dream machine, who I think is, was a, was a, was a good, was a great worker and man, he could, he, he could talk, he could do almost do dusty better than dusty. Yeah, he was, I was with Troy in Mississippi down there for George C. Culkin. When Kamala was Ugly Bear Harris and Sugar Bear Harris, he'd sleep on my floor sometime at the fucking hotel in Jackson. Where I lived the fucking the hotel was me, Rick Connors, Izzy, and fucking big boy fucking Williams there in fucking Jackson. And uh, I'd go to the gym fucking every day, and I started doing this fucking doctor's wife, and big boy would watch. And then when I left, he was going to say, you got to do me or I'll tell your husband. What a... <laughs> what a worker, huh? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, now, before we get going, uh, to, to, I feel like we're, we're about to go down one road. Uh, let, let's, let's, let's veer back. Oh, just yeah, to... we've talked about... We talked about Troy Dream Machine. <laughs> well, actually, you know, let, let's just get back to to, uh, to ICW, which actually okay. Troy does come into that because I remember when he debuted under the mask, uh, uh-huh. Jarrett uh, and Lawler were trying to portray, portray it as if it were dust, Dusty Rhodes under a hood, uh-huh. you know, who was taking yeah. Jimmy Hart's blood money to put Lawler out. Uh-huh. And I, be- I don't know if it, I don't think it was you. I think it was Bob Orton Jr. and Savage out doing promos, and and they revealed his identity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it, it 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 wasn't me, but they might have asked me who that was, because I knew Troy, right? And I just tell most of the stuff they kayfabe me on, because I was I was still half Mark, and I was like straight. Randy would get mad because I wouldn't jump into fights, so I uh, so that, so I could go to jail and get a fucking record, right? I said, no, fuck you, uh, uh-uh. I got a fucking speeding ticket, and I'm keeping it that fucking way, you know. He was fucking nuts, and I was the fucking sane one. So fuck that. <laughs> you were the sane one. Yeah, I was the uh, fucking sane one, right? Okay. Fuck, I, I, fuck, I, I was trying to go to fucking Latin school to be a priest like my great fucking uncle. My mom wouldn't let me fucking go. I think she said, "No, Mark, that's not for you." I said, "Okay, mom, so I'll just be fucking normal, I guess." <laughs> well, so, so, <laughs> such as it is in the wrestling business. Yeah. There you okay. go. Well, okay, so uh, you, you you alluded to it briefly, uh, but can you tell me exactly how you hooked up with the Papos and how uh, ICW formed? We touched on it, of course, last week with uh with izzy but uh, just from your perspective being one of the owners uh can you tell me a little bit more about it well i met the popos there's this old carney promoter that ran southern indiana and kentucky his name was uh don pruitt and he went as don brandenburg don pruitt he had the fucking cadillac and the phony diamond ring the phony fucking watches all kinds of shit he had that fucking brand new that fucking looking like a cadillac and he has fucking run out of gas and shit right but he was a he was a carny, he was a fucking hustler, and he got and he would get me booked down some shows for Nick Goulas. So I think it was Christmas night seventy six, I think it was, or seventy seven, and I was booked down there and uh I was Lanny Popo, they had a a, a one night tournament for the Mid America tag team titles, whatever. And so I was teamed up with fucking Lanny. So I had fucking black hair, fucking chest hair, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. It was a total fucking shits. But I met fucking Lanny. Anyway, 
and and I was working uh, for Dick the Bruiser, the fucking Sheik, doing other fucking TVs. Uh, uh, Bob Geigel, St. Joe, The Chase, the fucking uh, WWWF, Oak Hill, West Virginia, et cetera. Just fucking to be in a, uh, anywhere I could fucking go just to fucking meet people. And so I met fucking Lanny. And then Paul Christie, I was working for fucking Bruiser and I was telling him about it. And Christie uh, always, was always a friend of the Popos because he was from Evergreen Park, Illinois. And they were from, and they were from Downers Grove, Illinois. And uh, he used to work for the Miser. Used to, Angelo used to have a uh, a part of that Paducah All Star All Star Wrestling Paducah with Buzz Benson or whatever like it was in the early seventies. And then Paul worked for him there. So at the end of the ICW, Paul was their champ, ICW champion. Blah blah blah. But anyway, Paul was the one. He said, "Hey, you ought to call Randy Savage." He gave me his number. So I called fucking Randy and they was looking, they was going to go up and be business partners with Emil Dupre. So it'd be Randy, Lanny, and then Miser was the fucking carpetbagger. I'm the guy that gave him the name, the fucking Miser. So I go up. So I talked to fucking Randy on the fucking phone. We're about the same. He's uh, about a year and a half older than me. And then we hit it off because we was half ass athletic and, and training, uh, and I wasn't smart. Now, I didn't even go to wrestling school or nothing, Scott. So this is a match how fucking rotten I was. And here was a guy that had been schooled in pro wrestling, knowing that it's phony or prearranged, whatever you want to call it, his whole life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I didn't. Yeah. I got in the wrestling business, and I've had my first match. And, and the guy's telling me to go over, and I'm thinking, okay, go over what, right? You know? And then he says, yeah, when you get the pencil, go home. I said, now get the pencil, go home. I'm going over to get the pencil, go home. Oh, fuck, anything else you want to tell me? You know what I mean? I have no I fucking idea what they're fucking saying. You know what I mean? Right. My fucking first match. <laughs> oh, my God, what a fucking fiasco that sub this was, you know. But anyway, uh, uh, no matter how rotten you are, you eventually get better. <laughs> well, you never saw one of my matches. <laughs> 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 but uh but anyway, i'm sorry go so go ahead uh so you I, I, how did you oh. so so how did that first okay. so how did the, so how did that match go <laughs> well now we want to talk about the match and we talk about the icw how i hooked up with the papa yeah let, let's get back all right just 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 go with that <laughs> <laughs> okay so i was so anyway so uh there was this guy worked for bruiser and he ended up being uh Angel and Savita's partner as Cuban assassin. His name was fucking what the fuck was his name? But he he was doing the fucking uh, bounty hunter gimmick, and he was from fucking Illinois, sort of a shorter guy. He did sort of like a Farouk gimmick or something, and he was a fucking Cuban. So uh, Jack Cougar, the bounty hunter, me and him drove up to fucking Maritimes. This was because uh, there used to be the fucking uh, Leo Burke and them had the TV for fucking years, the Cormier brothers with Al Zink as a promoter. They'd run the big towns. Emil would be like fucking uh, the bear man. He'd had girls, midgets, bears, you know what I mean, in all the small towns uh, and driving in one big fucking van or whatever like that. So uh, Al Zink went out of business because they spent too much money, as the miser would say. You know, if, you don't, if you don't make enough money, uh, you're going out of fucking business, and that's the way it is. So, uh, so I drive up to the Maritimes, like 31 straight fucking hours, uh, going through that son of a bitch. And, uh, so it's the Popos. There's three of them. They're business partners with, uh, Emil Dupre. That's his first time ever having the, the TV show. So we're, we're running weekly towns like, uh, uh, Moncton, Cocan, 
uh, Halifax, uh, Berwick, Bridgewater, regular fucking towns. You know what I mean? And they would fucking draw because the ca- there wasn't cable going in there. All they had was some fringe WWF TV, which was just boring as fuck, and uh, with big guys. And we and we would give them fucking action. And I worked a lot. Of, and I was and I was a fucking French. I was Hercules Samard because there was some uh, guy that made records was was Samard. So Dupre had me Hercules Samard. Was this after the Disco Kid run? Oh no! This is before. Uh, no, I, no. I, this my my first time on the road is is summer seventy eight up you. in the Maritime. So I'm there and I'm fucking just fucking rotten. So Randy would work with me all the time. Usually a 30 minute match with a, a me consisted of to take his boot off of him. And I beat him with it eventually, you know, beat him in the head with it and everything. And we'd fight outside the ring. I couldn't throw a fucking working punch. So he said, you just hit me as hard as you can. So that's what I did, right? <laughs> <laughs> so they were rather a physical contest. You yes, know? yes. <laughs> but, Rand, but Randy liked me because I did what I was told. And I trained every day. I fucking worked out and didn't question anything. I said, don't ask me a question because I'm this I'm totally fucking retarded to this shit. Fuck, I'm just the world's biggest fuck. I was a member of the handsome Jimmy Bain fan club, you know. Fuck got all the fucking magazines and shit. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it didn't get fucking better than that. I had my fucking Carl Carl and Hildegard shit, my fucking uh, uh the gimmick boxing boots, the fifty two dollar fucking boots. I hadn't got my Bill Ash's dad's from B Bar A boot shop yet from Paris, Arkansas, but I had all the old K and H shit, the shimmer cape, the fucking boleros, all the fucking five O trunks, uh, total fucking gimmick, and then the bell ring, and I was fucked. But you know, <laughs> it was it was yeah. great. It was great up until that point. <laughs> yeah, that's why I tell Diamond Dallas Page. I said, Diamond, you the guys that have. I said, you've got every gimmick, every fucking shortcut there is, then the fucking bell rings, and you're fucked. And he just fucking laughed. Hey, bless him though, man. He he stuck with it. Oh, he's a, no, he's a fucking angel. He's yeah. a fucking fucking sweetheart. I tell you, I started laughing. I said I used to watch you on fucking AWA, and there's Paul Diamond and Pat Panock, right. and they're and, and they're short. Yeah, and fucking Diamond's a goddamn giant, right? <laughs> and, and and I said, Jesus Christ, you made those guys look. The, I said, you're supposed to be like Jimmy Hart, little motherfucker, you stupid motherfucker. What the fuck's matter with you? God damn. Oh gosh, oh. I know, right? Yeah, yeah, especially with especially with Tanaka and uh, <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> well, hell, like at OVW, we had fucking Deed Hill. He's about six seven. He's the goddamn <laughs> he's announcer. the <laughs> announcer. Yeah, and fucking and Kenny Boland was the manager. He was about five hundred fucking pounds, right? <laughs> I said, Jesus. I said, only in OVW do we do everything fucking wrong. <laughs> well, yeah. When I when I was uh, when I was managing in Memphis, I, I you know I'm six three and weighed about two twenty five, uh-huh. and my guys Tommy Rich and Doug Gilbert were feuding with PG thirteen. <laughs> You know? Oh fuck! Jesus Christ! You look like you look like goddamn Andre the Giant out there. I know they're like, why are you why are you running from those guys? <laughs> yeah, well, the fucking boss told me to. Goddamn it! Exactly. Uh, but uh, okay, so uh, okay, so I'm at the I'm at the Maritimes. Hercules Samard, the, the the world's shittiest fucking worker. So, uh, oh, but hey, we're, I'm I'm, I'm going to jump ahead ten years from then. Now I'm in Calgary in 1988. All of a sudden. Uh, I'm in my fucking hotel room at the fucking uh, St. Regis downtown. It's Emile Dupre on the phone. Leo Burke called him and said he wants me to book me in the Maritimes because I fucking uh, 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 he likes working with me. So we may, and I'm on the fucking nationwide cable there uh, uh, in Canada. 
So Emil calls me, goes, oh, uh, 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 Rip Rogers, this is uh, Emil Dupre. I say, hey, fucking Emil, what's fucked up? You still with Paula? He goes, oh, fuck. Uh, well, what do you know about Paula? I said, I said, fuck, he was fucking, uh, uh, you know, she's a young girl. You're just dating her then or whatever. But he goes, who is it? I said, fucking Rip Rogers, you asshole. He goes, well, do I know you? I said, God damn, Emil, I was fucking Hercules Samard in 78. He goes, Holy Jesus, I was a fucking shit, wasn't I? <laughs> and he goes, holy shit, you were, but you got a lot better. <laughs> we all start out at masters of shitdom. And if we keep at it and listen to the right fucking guys, we'll learn how to fucking pull time with anybody. We won't hurt a fucking fly. You could have a match, not break a fucking sweat, and you can get in this being the world's greatest fucking worst business there is. Yeah, that's all there. And somehow, somehow I got off the fucking track with what the fuck, right? Yeah, well, no, but that's cool. But you know, I talked a little bit about that with Izzy last week. You know, because back then, you know, you're working almost every night, and a lot of these towns, yeah. and in some places, especially you know, in the Memphis territory, uh, you know, they were running weekly in the in the same town. Right. So, you know, you couldn't do the same shit over and over. You had to keep no. developing and change the the gimmick up. So. Yeah, all all the territories, like just in the Maritimes, we were in Halifax every Thursday. We was in Bridgewater every Friday. We was in Berwick every Saturday. We was in North City every Sunday. We was in, in uh, Cocan or Moncton every fucking Monday. You see what I mean? So we're looking at we're looking at that shit. Then you had your fucking uh, goddamn. I see those fucking towns, but I can't know. I can't remember the name fucking anymore. Now I spent four summers up there: seventy-eight, eighty-eight. 90 and 97. The last time I was up there with 97 was me, Bad News Brown, uh, who was Bad News Allen, mm -hmm. and then, a, and then a, a young Edge and Christian were, were uh, uh, starting starting that year. And again, we're getting a little off track. What did you think of those guys at that time? Well, I told at the time they were pretty good workers. They just looked like you know, they didn't work out. They looked like fucking sissies. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I said, boys, uh, I didn't invent the fucking business, but you got to look like you got to look like you'd be able to fucking beat somebody's ass. And you guys got long hair and you look like fucking girls with no fucking muscles. But that's up to you. You know what I mean? Right. So, so, so that's it. But, but, but basically, basically you just kind of insulted them and to, to yeah. motivate them. And did, 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 yes, you, I did. Did, did you get, did you give them a yeah, couple but, of, did you get, give them a couple of brat t-shirts? No, but, <laughs> but I, I, I remember getting on Randy Orton about, he used to have a big old gut and love handles. And then all of a sudden uh, they brought him up and I went to a fucking show in Indianapolis and he goes, Hey, look at me now. I said, fuck Randy. You look great. He goes, I thought you hated me. I said, fuck Randy, get rid of him. I was there and you was fucking born in Lexington. Your, your fucking dad was there. I worked your goddamn grandpa. <laughs> and I said, I was trying, the other way didn't work. And all of a sudden I got on you, tested your fucking manhood. You said, I'll show you, you old motherfucker. I said, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted you to do. I wanted you to be successful. And I wanted you to, that, that looking good is a step in the fucking right process. So what the fuck, right? Well, he sure, so anyway, he sure as hell showed your fucking ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he got me, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a hell of a rib oh yeah but we was talking about regular towns right you can't go out there and have a routine you gotta treat this like a fucking contest it's like Buddy Rogers would go to fucking regular town and and he'd write down uh, okay what he was working what, what's your anchor a head 
a head, a hammerlock, a fucking arm, a leg, a back, a neck, a stomach. What you know? What's your? What is it? What was the fucking finish? What did you do with fucking false finishes? You had all this shit written in your goddamn books. You knew exactly what you fucking did. You go back. We okay. We was here last week. This is what we all did as a fucking booker. Here it is. I learned all that shit from fucking Randy. You know what I mean? And then here's what you did two weeks ago. This is what this is what TV's playing. They're going to see this. Blah blah blah. So some of them tapes were on a four week delay. When ICW, we do four tapes. So, uh, like week one was like Louisville and Lexington, and Hazard. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then the other, uh, then you'd have some towns that were on one week delay, two week delay, three week delay, etc. So you might be a babyface in one town and a fucking heel the next town. You know what I mean? With stuff like that, so it was uh, you had to be you had to be up on what tape was playing, whatever, blah blah blah. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure and it was. Like, I'm sure it was like, wait a minute, am I still a babyface here? Am I still the champion? Right. <laughs> yes. Uh huh. And I remember at ICW, we actually we would switch belts in a fucking. Of course, there wasn't belt switches very often. You know, belt switch was fucking special. It wasn't like WWF where you, uh, the belt was always switched in the fucking garden or something like that. You know. But fuck, we go to a fucking spot show and fucking uh, switch a fucking tag belt or something. You know what I mean? Then all of a sudden people could see that in a fucking spot, because our business was spot shows. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, we used to, we ran a show Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, usually two shows Friday, two shows Saturday, and two shows Sunday. And on and a, and a couple Saturdays, I remember we ran three fucking towns. Because we had our spot show ring, we had a fucking ring that the guy kept in uh, southern illinois we had a ring of garbage ring was down in johnson city and plowboy pete would hang that he would handle that on the fucking east end we need the fucking ring down there so we had access to three fucking rings so and so a lot of times i'd be running like i'd be running a show with fucking hazard visor would be running a show somewhere and randy be running the fucking show somewhere so i got so i'm living with fucking randy so i'm learning all about all this fucking shit and he don't instruct me. I'm just hanging out and watching and shut my fucking mouth and listening. Right. So we go to them fucking book, booking things. There's here, here. There's him and Garvin and Bob Roop have been a booker in San Francisco and a couple other places. You know what I mean? So I just shut the fuck up and listen. They asked me. I said, "Hey, I ain't got no fucking opinion. I don't know none of this shit. <laughs> I'm fucking picking. I want to learn from you guys. You guys couldn't learn nothing from me. Fuck you guys. You know, you guys are so much better than me." Fuck, I know my fucking place. I'm in the back seat, in the fucking middle, scrunched up, <laughs> happy to be there. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Just, just kind of just kind of soaking it up, right? Well, that's how you fucking learn. You learn the business in the fucking trips. We, we played the fucking wrestlers, the name game. We played, the, and I'd always win them motherfuckers. Yeah. Because I'd always have them, them strange wrestling magazines. <laughs> I start, man, I start doing all the fucking shit from, uh, uh, New Zealand and fucking England and all that shit. And they, they, they always accuse me of making guys' names up. But hell no, I read all that shit. Fuck them. <laughs> I had a photographic memory on certain stuff I wanted to remember. Wow. <laughs> Schoolwork, no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, re- I remember playing that uh, that game. Uh, yeah. I, I think one of the ones I pulled out of my ass was Victor uh, Kionis. <laughs> now, Victor, yeah, little Victor. Yeah. Now, this is how... This is, how little, this is how little Victor got me. So I was down here in Puerto Rico, and he's one of the owners, right, with uh, uh, with Carlos and fucking uh, Jovica. And little Victor had a little piece of pie. So he called me up. He said, hey, will you go work for fucking Wing? Them crazy motherfuckers? I said, yeah, I'll work for him, but I'm doing the queer gimmick, right? 
So I'd do that, and I'd work fucking Korea. I said, but you got to book me in fucking Mexico for three months because I, w- I want to learn lucha just to do it. You know what I mean? So I went and did the fucking uh, uh, Korea and the fucking Japan over there, and them motherfuckers worked so fucking hard. They'd put each other on fire, really hit each other with barbed wire, real baseball fucking bats. Guys breaking his fucking ankle, jumping and shit, and oh, it was just fucking ugly. And I'm fucking getting all the reactions because I'm doing strictly entertainment, and I just felt sorry for them motherfuckers. They wanted it so bad, but the rib was on me because I did the fucking tours. And then uh, I called. I said, "Okay, what about Mexico?" Then he fucking kayfabe me, right? So the motherfucker got me. <laughs> okay, uh, so the, the the early days of ICW. Uh, so it, it's oh, kinda, yeah. It's, oh yeah, it's kind of being booked by committee a little bit. And Izzy was talking about what kind of uh, Booker Ronnie Garvin was, and that he doesn't really get his due, uh, you know, in the in that role. Uh, what about uh, uh, Savage and 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 Angelo? Uh, how involved were they in the in the creative process? Well, Randy was. If Randy said yes, it was yes. Miser uh, took a back seat to Randy. What he did was he had strict he had some strict rules. You know what I mean? About you know being there an hour ahead of time, blah blah blah. He said I want one heel victory even on a spot show. So the next babyface victory will mean he says it ain't all babyface all the fucking time because we went back to the spot shows more often than normal people than normal territories because that was our fucking bread and butter yeah you you could uh, you could clean up at those spot shows oh shit i'll tell you now this is before cornet pretty much started the picture business for memphis we used to have that big picture table and and any place i ever worked the boys never got none of the money that fucking picture they uh, the the company put you on tv made you a fucking star they might give you some pictures for your own personal whatever, but they sold the fucking pictures because you got to remember when we were uh, in ICW, we were paying uh, Beckley Oak Hill, West Virginia every week to air a tape. We were paying goddamn Johnson City. We were paying Hazard. We were paying Lexington. We were paying Louisville. We were playing Evansville. We were playing paying Memphis. We were paying four TVs in fucking Illinois. You see what I mean? So we had to, I remember we had to draw 13, uh, this is about 1980. We had to draw $13,000 a week to break even. Now, when you're talking about a three to four to five dollar ticket price and you're basically all fucking spot shows, wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so nobody was taking the fucking night off then. No. Yeah. And, but, and, and, and I told, and, and Miser, it's like, uh, he bought that, that Iveco ring truck was thirty three, thirty four thousand dollars $34,000. He had two fucking, uh, the, the two Jetta, uh, the diesel fucking vans were sixteen, seventeen thousand $17,000 a piece to make sure we had to worry about burning our cars up and shit. And then he, uh, bought the fucking rings. I remember we, when we first started like for TV, we used Dale TNT man's ring in Kentucky because we didn't know. And then all of a sudden, Randy started measuring on the fucking kayfabe and him and they built their own fucking ring. So then we didn't need, and then we got our own promoter's license. We used Randy's mother as promoter in fucking, uh, 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 Illinois under the name JP Swerdlin in Indiana. Now Bruiser did like breaking in local boys because they'd come back to fucking haunt you. And I sure did. Cause two years fucking later, I'm a goddamn promoter in Indiana when we run fucking shows there. For IC, IC fucking W. 
so uh but every week you had to produce so much money because you had to pay for those fucking tv it's like airing a fucking infomercial right and then george we- george weingroff who was saul's son and then uh, we had Pez. They was teammates at college at UT Chattanooga, fucking wrestlers, et cetera. George is a wrestling coach at the Indiana School for the fucking blind. But George was he was golden as the as like the promoter of IC fucking W. So he's always called the pot the spot shows and shit and stuff like that. Sometimes I would settle up. Sometimes uh, 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 Marv or Miser would settle up. But then like Johnson City. That was Garvin's like town. He got the TV, blah blah blah. He was the one over the most mm-hmm. there. He'd settle. Up, he would settle up there at the box office in in Johnson City. So everybody had certain jobs they did and uh, uh, duties, just like fucking any any fucking wrestling fucking company. Right, right. Uh, and can, can you uh, tell me? Uh, I guess some, have, what was the what was the best town? uh on, on the loop for you guys well well we had we had uh weekly t- fucking pikeville was so fucking good we run that twice a week sometimes they had a they had a guy at a bar outside the, in on one side of town it was called marlowe's country palace and then at the other side of town it was marlowe's other place and that eastern kentucky was a fucking gold mine it was hit with that Hazard TV overlap with Lexington TV, and our Oak Hill, West Virginia fringe would hit it. So these guys, these fucking hillbillies would come out to this fucking wrestling. And it, I bet even today you could go out there and they still think wrestling's real. But uh, <laughs> that Eastern Kentucky was a, was a fucking go- Hell, we'd run fucking Cove, which is like two miles out of Hazard. We ran that every week. We had Manchester, Kentucky where this guy named Ernie Couch built his own building, a barn on his farm that held 500 people. The first show there was Super Bowl Sunday. They turned 300 people away. That, During that, the fucking Super that, that, that's, Just, that's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it is. But it's like, but it's like and, these big TV celebrities are coming to town. Oh, yeah, because these are fucking... I remember at fucking Hazard the first time I'm going in there and I see this guy walking in on his fucking hands. He didn't have no fucking legs. There was a girl that was uh, all fucking, she looked like a fucking pig with hair on her face and shit. Fucking gimmicks from incest and shit. I saw the fucking first Thompson machine gun put together there by the the sponsor of of Combs, which was Logan Fields. He had a goddamn machine, Thompson machine gun. He had a fucking gun down his fucking pants. The fucking alcohol was fucking, uh, uh, it was against the fucking law. It was a fucking dry county. They'd show, they'd show everybody. We'd leave the guys to go knock on the door. You get fucking beer and shit. And then the guys got to party with fucking uh, all kinds of pills and shit. Fucking Manchester. Jesus Christ, we was fucking out of control. We was the fucking outlaws. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, and, and that's what, and that's what you know. Some people say, well, you know, it, it's kind of disrespectful when you refer to a promotion as an outlaw group. Uh, you know, it should be. They, the, the, back then, those guys were were what today you would call an independent. I go, yeah, that may be true for some, but ICW they were fucking outlaws. <laughs> no, we was fucking we was fucking outlaws. You know what I mean? We had a fucking good time. We had fucking didn't give a fucking shit would say fuck you to everybody and really didn't didn't give a fucking rat's ass. At least at that time when you're young and you're twenties, right? You think you're invincible. Well, you know, you know but, but, but you know, one one thing, Rip, it it's sorta of, it's sort of, sort of ironic because yeah, you guys did did have that rep and uh you know, here you are going into other territories. But 
as we alluded to, the the a lot of the promoters themselves were not exactly uh, good citizens, <laughs> shall we say, oh, and, 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 and had creative uh, bookkeeping practices, which is sort of like how you guys got, you know, Garvin and Orton Jr. and Bob Roop, you know, this this solid nucleus of talent, right? Because they because they felt like they were being robbed uh, in Southeastern, right? Right. But here's the thing. Then when you're on the other side, you can see it's like it's like with Bill Watts. He, you could he could draw thirty six thousand people to a Superdome show and pay you whatever he wants to. If you don't like it, get a fucking job. He's paying for shit. And when we're in promotion, all of a sudden the guys, oh, it was a big fucking house. I said, no, we ran rough arena. It cost six grand to fucking open. We bought a twenty four dollar twenty four hundred dollar newspaper ad like dumbasses. We yeah. barely, uh, we could we, we could have worked a fucking spot show in Illinois and brought back more of a profit margin with a fucking eight man card and had a good time. Instead, we're worried to death, trying to act like we're big fucking shots, and what we are is fucking stupid. Well, I will I will say, man, the advertising was for, was first rate. I mean, the, the they were first of all the ads were were pretty damn big. They were large, and they would oh, have, they were fucking and they huge. Would, and they would kind of like spell out some of the angles, and they would you know obviously right. get their shots in uh-huh. at, at Lawler and Jarrett right. and that, and then it would kind of get into the matches. And the and dude, the radio spots were hilarious right. and so well uh-huh. done and so well done. You know they they would play right. they would have snippets uh, of guys doing interviews. They would have like uh, like really kind of inside jokes that kind of bordered on the risque. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, just really good stuff, man. So uh, so, a- so everybody, yeah. So, but everybody in, the, in that town knew when you guys were 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 going to be there without a doubt. Yeah. Uh huh. But we were always looked upon as second rate. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, well... No, here's what it is. No, well, here's what it is. When Vince went big time, right, he rated everybody's talent. Like, the first time they ran fucking Calgary, they had nobody there. Because they were used to Stu Hart's Calgary, a three-hour fucking show, hard, hard-nosed fucking wrestling, right? And then they let the tape play another fucking year, and all of a sudden they went to the big building... And had the biggest crowd they ever had in fucking Calgary fucking wrestling history. Just let let's let them forget about the other one. The kids will keep fucking watching. The other people will quit. They'll 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 eventually forget about their old fucking heroes, and they'll come and, and they'll come and fucking see us. And when we get them there, we'll fucking hook them. And they're smart motherfuckers. Yeah. You just keep uh, the, the as as Barnett would say, my boy Ripley. TV makes my stars. You could be the greatest wrestler in the world. It doesn't matter unless you're on my TV. Oh my boy! <laughs> well, uh-huh. and, and was was that the? I guess was that the thought process that you guys were going to come in? Uh, and and I and again, I I lean more toward you know talking about Memphis, and I realized that you guys were were at war with, with a couple of different territories. Uh, yeah. But from uh, on the on the Memphis side, you know, as a kid. 
you know, I, I, I found uh, you guys on Channel 24. It was the mm-hmm. area's first UHF station, which was really exciting because all of a sudden you had, you know, all these great programs and syndication. And you and your show came on an hour before Jarrett's. And, you know, uh-huh. I, I've talked with Jerry Jarrett. And he would say how, you know, the boys would all gather uh, in the in the dressing room uh, where the where the uh, heels got dressed and and watched the TV. And, and Lawler looked uh-huh. up one time and he goes, Holy shit! Randy Randy Savage is pounded on my house on my house door. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's what's so funny. I, I I told you about going to fucking Henderson, right? We was coming home from somewhere, and and Randy said pull over. So I pull over because I was fucking driving. I didn't know what the fuck he's doing. That's why he threw a goddamn brick through his Lawler's window or whatever, right? I had no fucking all, all this stuff. They kayfabe me because I was like the same one. I was telling you. I, 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 what the fuck's the you stupid motherfucker, you know, he through the fucking, uh, the brick through fucking Lawler's window, you know, and told him, and I did, I did it, yeah, you know, <laughs> what the fuck, right? <laughs> yeah, I did it, now what are you going to do about it? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. But but it's like, but it, it, I, a lot of it was like this, it's like, we lived in Lexington, but we couldn't get booked in Rupp, right? We couldn't book Rupp Arena, right? And, and Miser had the fucking money. So they were coming once a month to the big town and was taking, you know, taking the, the fucking money and leaving, right? And then we got TV in Louisville and they had the fucking, and Louisville Gardens was fucking empty of everything in the world except Jarrett's Wrestling. And they were smart enough to put the no compete clause in there for uh, there can't be wrestling within seven days of another show. So we could never wrestle there. So we had to go to that fucking Commonwealth Convention Center, which is a death fucking trap. Because I was there, there for fucking Nick Goulas. I think the best we ever did was like 500 fucking people there. And in Evansville, they had the fucking Coliseum. We had to go to the fucking National Guard Armory. So my, so let's put a burr up their ass. And well, let's put a tape in Memphis and see how they fucking like it. You know what I mean? Oh, I got it was you. more of one of that thing. And we just kept the tape there. And then until... Uh, until we decided this is, and then we was at, we did our, our produce the channel. Uh, at first it was 62 became channel 36. And then, uh, we was doing good. We started making fucking profit. They had, then all of a sudden they get a new station manager in his big thing is, was to fuck the wrestling. We were their biggest fucking money maker. They had, we, they produced our fucking wrestling show. We did our fucking promos there every fucking week and they aired our fucking tape. And we did our fucking bicycling out there or the fucking tapes, the different fucking markets. So he was going to just double our rates because he, he could, right? So all of a sudden the miser said, uh, no, thank you. Fuck you. We went out and this is about 1982, went out and bought $30,000 worth of editing equipment. Randy taught himself how to do the fucking editing. We had fucking Tony Falk on the fucking cameras and ever blah, blah, blah. And we produced to son of a bitch in our goddamn living room with cheers and booze, fucking lights, Lanny fucking announcing. And we showed like a tape from Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Here's a match from Oak Hill, West Virginia. Okay. Here's one from Springfield, Illinois. Here's one from Johnson City. Now we look like we're a big ass fucking place. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Cause yeah, I, I, cause yeah I, 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 I was going back on YouTube and watching some stuff and I'm like, okay, this looks different now. <laughs> but yeah. I, So I guess this was around that time. So, but what it was, was we figured out he bought this fucking editing equipment and that so bitch could last for a long time. Or we could be at that fucking studio for fucking eight weeks and spend the same amount of money. You know what I mean? So fuck them. So we got on channel 27 in fucking Lexington. 
but 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 then what we did too is when we got that equipment we took the two inch markets and eliminated them we used the half inch or the three quarter or uh, i think it was half inch or three quarter inch tapes so uh the quality be a little bit fucking different but it didn't cost as much and we could produce them all ourselves that's why we dropped memphis tv really okay we dropped we dropped some tvs because uh it just was it was just stupid to run them uh what was we gonna do run memphis every three fucking months yeah for four fucking shows and you guys guys were on you guys were on let's see i I think it it debuted in i think fall 79 or early 1980 which was actually great timing because that's around when lawler broke his leg and so he was right Uh and uh and i think you were on until 82 so almost two years yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, but 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 well, we wouldn't go in there that much. So why would you piss away all this money just to air a tape to be a burr up somebody's ass? That's stupid. That's something else. Something stupid we do. I said if we're not going to run it consistently, either give it a fucking fair shot. You know what I mean? Because like uh, uh, Jarrett, the, the first Tuesday of every month, it would be Memphis, fucking uh, Louisville, and then on Thursday he would be in Evansville. In Thursday he had been fucking Lexington. Our first fucking thing of the, the month, we'd be in fucking Pikeville. Then we'd be in goddamn uh, Johnson City. Then we'd be in Frankfurt. Frankfurt would be, be in between your Louisville date and Lexington date. And Frankfurt was basically our best town. And Frankfurt's not a Frankfurt's not a big town. Well, yeah, it, that that and that's another great thing that 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 we've lost. I mean, yeah, you'd go to these small towns, maybe that some, most people never even heard of, but the whole town would be there. <laughs> oh fuck yeah! <laughs> we go to these southern Illinois towns, and we hit it for you know off. We had two TVs in southern Illinois that WSIL network, and in Marion, Illinois TV. And it would be in some t- town. It'd be population eight hundred, be nine hundred people there, because people would drive from an hour away just to see live fucking wrestling. Because Illinois had a strict commission, you had to have a fucking ambulance there, you had to have a fucking doctor, and it cost a lot of money to run. So there wasn't that many outlaws. They had a ten percent tax too. But we kept our fucking. Car- Usually, we just the fucking company guys working. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we were basically paying our fucking selves. But anyway, it was back to the fucking picture table. Our fucking picture table hell you might go to a small town and sell a thousand fucking pictures and this is when pictures were 50 cents a piece but that's 500 dollars take home you know what i mean yeah and that's a lot of fucking, that's a lot of fucking money at that fucking time and you, you know you, you guys were you guys were uh selling the t-shirts with the with the icw logo uh, uh towards towards the end some but but the, the picture thing you could get them fucking you could get a fucking thousand pictures for fucking seven and a half cents at that fucking time yeah. you know what i mean yeah yeah so yeah when you sell them some bitches you know when you put them baby faces out there maybe assign the shit out of that you just go out there and find the pictures you know that's fucking that's your job motherfucker you're the shits in the ring but you look good so but it might be like the fucking fabs be selling all them fucking sure pictures. oh my god uh, yeah that geez. yeah La- La- right. i mean lawler and dundee did fantastic and then the fab, oh the, and then the fabs came in and just shattered whatever <laughs> whatever records no, there yeah. were previously but, but the reason that was is they were new 
Hell, yes. they've, been, they've been getting Lawler's picture for how many years? Dundee's picked now all of a sudden. Has, now I look back at the pictures, I'm laughing. Oh. <laughs> they, they was about as faggy looking, about as, faggy looking as you get. I just look at, looking at them now, right? At the time, they didn't look that way. Now I look at them and start fucking laughing. Well, yeah, hell, yeah. I'd be trying to do it. And I'd be trying to do a half-assed queer gimmick, and it didn't look as good as theirs. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, you know what's funny about that, Rip? Uh, and it's and it's hard for people to to understand because, but you know, they had Jackie Fargo's endorsement. Yeah. And, and, and they got it. You know, they kind of they went a little yeah. too much with the, the you know the music videos were cool at first, but then yeah. they they, they uh-huh. kind of jumped the shark when they had that one. It was. Uh, Lover boys, only the lucky ones, yeah. and they're working out in speedos. Uh-huh. It's, yeah. it's like okay, all right, let's put some clothes on. And uh, yeah, but 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 nevertheless, though we we you know my guy my guy friends and I you know we had some fabs pictures that we bought. We thought they were cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. When you're fucking you're just fucking a teenager, whatever fucking. Uh, and fuck you're a mark what the fuck right yeah any fucking wrestler is fucking cool what the fuck well i, I, think, I, I, I think one huh? thing that, i think that one thing that was cool about the about those guys rip and uh was the fact that their style was very much like uh fargo's you know they didn't have a lot you know as far as the the, the fancy uh, slick tag teams of that era they were brawlers yeah you know, they had blood bass, and I think that that helped, you know, yeah, they had the, the flash and the pictures and the sequin jackets and all that kind of stuff, but, man, they, they would get in there and get, just be bloody messes in there well, with the moon dogs. They had, and, they had to. Yeah. They had to because they worked extended programs, right? When you're an extended program, there's got to be some emotion, intensity, and violence because you want them coming back next week. Yeah. We see, see, we had more spot shows. When you have more spot shows, you can get more entertainment. You're going to sell more fucking pictures and shit. You got to work harder to get those fucking spot shows. But who the hell would just like to fucking say we're in Memphis Monday and fucking uh, five to 9,000 people show up, right? No matter what, how shitty the fucking card is, right? <laughs> yeah, but one thing, about but those, one, th- one thing about those spot shows that's cool too, just the heat that you get in those, in those small arenas. Cause you know, they're packed. It's just a great atmosphere for, for the product. Well, as, as a fucking heel, there's nothing better. Now there's, I tell people, I said, look, here's a baby face. He gets the, he gets the grade a pussy. He gets the fucking mothers making them fucking cookies and shit. They get the fans. Give me the fucking presents. Everybody, all your buddies are trying to give you a car deal, a free deal on this three burgers here, whatever. The heels get spit on, batteries try to get fucking knife, guns pulled on, your tires fucking slit, you get the fat bitches, if they got any, unless they're a fucking freak, and then, <laughs> and then uh, and all of a sudden, if you get fucking some food, you better have somebody else taste it first, because they're trying to poison you. But but you can't beat, you can't beat fucking walking out there and owning that fucking audience, and the fucking jeers, the fucking hate they have towards you, is just fucking awesome when you're a fucking heel. <laughs> uh, man, oh man. I you know, uh, by the time I got into it and and you know, well, I got in in 91, I was a 19-year-old referee and then I uh, got got out uh-huh. of it for a little bit and then when they switched me heel, uh yeah. you know, I was a little disappointed cuz you know the Coliseum, you know, I mean I, I was I mean don't get me wrong, I was thrilled to be living my dream. But the Coliseum at that point, you know, we were drawing about 1,000, 2,000 people every single week no matter what we did. 
But man, when yeah. we went to the and, and and it was special to be at the Coliseum because I'd, I'd been to so many shows there growing up. Uh, yeah. But you know, you're seeing all these empty seats, and it was and it was hard to get heat in Memphis because they've seen everything. You're in this big ass yeah. building, and man, I loved it when we would go to like Union City. Uh, or uh, you know, Rooster Poot, Arkansas, or whatever, yeah. uh, because the the the, the, the I, it was like time had stopped, and yeah, and and I was I was back. I got to experience a little. Uh, I got close to what Jimmy Hart might have experienced in eighty two uh-huh. and eighty one when we went to those yeah. small towns. It was fantastic. Uh-huh. I still only made like, you know fifty bucks, but. <laughs> Yeah, hey, hey, I I never got in the in the business for the money. Well, yeah, and Izzy and I talked about that last week, and that's I think that you know that's one thing too that I think that we've lost a little bit. Uh, You know, typically guys got into it because they just fucking loved it, right? And and today it's 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 a money figure, and so I I just don't understand. Well, what it is is today. Now, I love pro wrestling, but I love pro wrestling the way it was. I teach it the way it was, and I say, if you guys can get this under me when you go up and do your prearranged bullshit and your stupid fucking matches that make no sense, if you can do mine, you can do theirs a hell of a lot fucking easier. You just learn the, the ins and outs, the do's and fucking don'ts, and you'll be fucking fine. Shut the fuck up and do as a goddamn boss says, and you'll be fucking fine. It's, re- it's really not that fucking hard. Right. But, uh, but man, just fucking thinking about all that shit, doing all that shit. I had to. I remember had the fucking guns pulled on me in Richlands, Virginia. Me and uh, Bob Wharton uh, Jr. was tagging, and then I did a street fight with Kenny Lucas in Montgomery, Alabama. The guy hit the fucking he hit the fucking ring with a fucking gun, and all. And I looked around, and everybody in the fucking place just they just Pete Rose belly slid down of, of the fucking thing. <laughs> That's a, that, see, that, that, that's the second Pete Rose reference we've had on the show. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, shit. But what, but what fun being a goddamn fucking heel, right? Jesus fucking Christ. Oh. I, I, I remember me and Randy would tag in Eastern Kentucky, and uh, we'd walk out because the heels was always – uh, the closest, the close, the door, the closest corner to the dressing room, the heels dressing room was always the heels fucking corner. And then when we'd leave that fucking ring, we'd be fucking ass to fucking ass, rotating around, protecting each other, ready to fucking punch anybody. You know, I mean, but fuck. And I showed these guys my fucking class. They like shit my pants. It shows us working in Henry Clay High School. Fucking Bob Orton Jr. does something, pull Crusher Broomfield's leg, the leap and landy or something, and there's somebody taking a poke at Randy, and all of a sudden he goes, boom, 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 boom. He let four of them, boom, right there, boom, 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 four of them on fucking tape. And he's got that fucking crazy-ass gleam in his fucking eye. It's, you know, fucking Randy, he's wanting to fight anybody for no fucking reason. You go to a goddamn restaurant, he'd have to have his fucking back so he could see everybody coming through the fucking door, you know. So we'd sleep in the house. He had the fucking, he had the fucking the Bowie knife and the fucking gun, the loaded gun. And <laughs> oh shit! Well, <laughs> yeah, that, so that was my roommate. <laughs> yeah, it, well, and, and and I'm and I'm sure the security was not top notch at these buildings. Well, you got to remember, uh, Izzy was talking about the security, but uh, Izzy acted like it was New York City. You know what I mean? 
you, uh, when you're a manager and you know this, you got to you got to know what you can do, what you can't do. You know, if there is no security, you're going to what you're going to fucking do. And Izzy likes to push that goddamn in, that fucking envelope because Izzy likes to get fucking heat <laughs> right. yeah. when, we, when we was going to have heat at the finish, maybe. Right. And didn't need it during the fucking match. But he'd be he'd be stroking that motherfucker and stroking that motherfucker, because he was the star of the of, of the show, in the in the tag team thing because Doug and Jeff were really pretty were, were green, mm-hmm. and Izzy was the veteran, so Izzy fucking he fucking uh, captained that he quarterbacked that son of a bitch, so he would do extra shit to keep the heat on the fucking team, and let's just say Izzy liked to go overboard. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Some managers were taking shit, and I think Izzy likes to just fucking get heat just for the hell of it. <laughs> exactly. Which I can't. Which I can't fucking blame him. You know what the fuck, right? Yeah. Yeah, and he and he told the story about how they uh, uh, some of the townspeople uh, cornered him in a circle, and the baby faces, you know, had to, you know, they stayed yeah. in character, but they were like, "Nah, leave him for us. We want to beat oh, the hell yeah, up. Leave, yeah, yeah. Uh, Otherwise, they they may have strung him up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh yeah, it's it fuck. Well, that's the way fucking wrestling was. You know, yeah. that's just fucking. You know, uh, that's why it's the world's greatest fucking sport. Fucking love it. But today, I, I would have no interest in in being a wrestler. Uh, it, it's funny, but I wouldn't. It's just not there. Yeah, uh, the it's, stuff, it's it's the, it's, the it's, the hard, it's hard I, to watch live too. I don't know. I I went to a live show, a WWF show, uh, when I first moved to LA. I'd been out of the business for a couple of years, and and uh-huh. uh, man, I and it, and, it, and, it, and Rip, this was a this was a paper. This was the Royal Rumble that was at uh, uh-huh. uh in, in Anaheim, and man, for the most part, the crowd was just completely dead. I mean, well, you got to remember, you got to remember, these aren't real wrestling fans. The wrestling fans, just think if it was the late seventies, early eighties, how many thousands of people would be in fucking Memphis? You know what I mean? They watch the TV religiously. They go to the matches religiously. Now, all of a sudden we go to LA, what, twice a year? Yeah. Uh, There ain't, there ain't no, there ain't no rats. There ain't no regular fans. It's just a fucking ice capades appearance is all it is. Uh, but you know, people people have asked me about you know what was it like growing up in Memphis? Uh, you know, with Lawler. You know, was it was he? You know, was he really that big? And I'm like, I'm not kidding you, man. My, my friends and I, he was our he was our home team. You know, we didn't yeah. we didn't have a professional sports team. Uh, you know, when he, if he lost a big match, man, we, we, we hurt. <laughs> you know, oh yeah. We, and it wasn't just kids. I mean, I had an old man. Right. I, I was there for a, for a Lawler Bockwinkel world title match uh-huh. in 79. They drew about uh-huh. you know, 7,000 people. Uh, uh-huh. they win an hour. It was a, it was yeah. a great, great damn match. Uh, I, I just love, uh-huh. I, I love Bockwinkel, but I had this old man sitting next to me. And, you know, and as they were getting closer to the time limit, you know, he had smuggled yeah. in a bottle and my uncle was kind of keeping an eye on the guy, but he was a nice man. But I'll never forget that he was like, he's like, he was, he was, you know, pretty, pretty smashed by the time the match was coming to a close. And he looked at, he looked at me and he goes, he's, I don't think I'm ever going to see Jerry get that belt in my lifetime. And he, he had, oh, yeah. and he had tears in his eyes. Oh yeah. It's like the fucking Chicago Cubs, right? <laughs> 
Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and they're fucking they're, hell. It was the same in Indianapolis with Dick the fucking Bruiser. You know what I mean? Fucking, you lived and died him for how many fucking years? Fuck. Yeah, and, and if he fucking, and it, just, it was it was it's just the thrill. Uh, you know, what, what what people ask me like, well, you know, God, you didn't you didn't get to go to because I got to go to maybe about six shows a year, so I had to pick them wisely. Uh-huh. You know. Uh, like if yeah. some, if somebody was finally coming into town who I'd seen in the magazines, I'd be like, oh, yeah. you know, I got I got to go. But that was that was that was cool too because you would see these guys in the magazines but never see them on TV. So that you would sort of right. like invent this story for them in your head, and you were reading all reading all the articles anyway that after was writing some true, mostly not true, but whatever. They, they it just made them that much more special. And so when so when they came to your area, it was like holy shit. Mill Mascross is finally going to be here, or you know, uh, Bachwinkle, the, the, the AWA World Champion instead of the NWA Champion is is, is going to be here. Uh, it, it was so exciting, and and another thing that was cool was Tuesday mornings, you know, getting up, and I would, dude, I would get up as and as soon as that paper hit the driveway. Yeah, I would. It had, to, it had the results, right? Yeah, and dude, I had so my, I we probably had a thousand rubber bands <laughs> in our lawn or the driveway uh-huh. by the time we moved moved out of that house because I was. Uh-huh. I, I mean, I couldn't wait, man, to to get the results. That's like growing up. Oh, I, now all I ever seen was Mill Masters in the magazines, right? And yeah. and then I had then I had to fucking work with him. Jesus right? Did he, now? Did he do a stretcher job? No, I was fucking. Bill Watts said, "Hey, Fritz is bringing in fucking uh, Bill Masters," and he said, I, "I need you to go over there and put him over." I said, "Fucking sure thing, right?" Hell, they had a fucking eleven thousand people sold out show in goddamn uh, uh, Fort Worth on the 4th of July spectacular. And this is when it was a weekly town, right? And it's just fucking wrestling. So I'm working with Mill Masters and he don't want to sell nothing. He's walking around his fucking mask like it's fucking real. Taking his shout, his fucking mask off. Jesus Christ. It wouldn't fucking sell nothing. I just fucking laughed, took the fucking money and got the hell out of Dodge, right? And then we're working in Houston one night and Dick, Nick Bockwinkle had to fucking work with fucking no masters. So I sat there and watched it. I oh, I felt sorry, right? It was so fucking horrible. And then uh, Fockwinkle goes, "Did you watch that match?" And and I said, I, I, "Yeah." He goes, "What do you think?" I said, "I said I'm not." I said, "Oh." He goes, "Oh, you wouldn't know anyway." I said, "Listen, asshole. Everybody in this fucking place knew it was a fucking shits, and not not everybody's daddy was a fucking wrestler." So you can get fucking into the fucking territories and pay no fucking dues, you fucking prick. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. I said, no, you're a fucking asshole. Because you told me Buddy Rose is a fucking mark. He was my partner. Fuck you. Fuck you. And fuck you. Oh, man. Don't tell me. You're killing me. I didn't know that about. Oh, I know. No. Yeah. I didn't know that about. I I didn't know that about Nick. Jeez. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Most of the good guys are the assholes, and most of the bad guys are really the fucking good guys. 
You just can't you can't judge a book by its fucking cover, though, can you? No, I, I guess not. I guess not. It's funny you mentioned Mill Maskers and not selling because uh, we've been we have well, this a, we have this running yeah, a, we have this running uh, thing on on our program on on the podcast uh-huh. because my very first talking about the magazines and everything, I, uh-huh. I, I I had been watching the show religiously since the summer of seventy seven. Uh-huh. It was the Lawler Dundee uh-huh. first series with all the crazy hair matches and they shaved yeah. his wife's head and the whole thing. Oh yeah, and they I, I, my parents wouldn't take me. You know, I was a little young uh-huh. and. My uncle, I, I, here, here was the setup. Austin Idol beat Lawler for the Southern uh-huh. title on Christmas night. And so I'm opening uh-huh. up my presents, you know, and I'm all happy and everything. And then, you know, they would do the news. Res- they, you know, Memphis, they were so tight with the, uh, with WMC TV where they did the, uh-huh. they did the show. Jack Eaton would do the yeah. results. And he goes, and I hate to inform all the fans out there. Uh, I hate to ruin your Christmas, but Jerry Lawler has lost the Southern title, lost an idol. And I was like, I'm going to bed. <laughs> you know, I was, yeah. <laughs> I was so pissed off. And my uncle came in and he goes, Tell you what, buddy, I was going to tell you this later, but one of my Christmas presents to you, we're going to take you to wrestling in sometime in January. And I was like, okay. And I held out until the, the uh, January 19th and Mill uh-huh. Mascaris supposedly came into town as a heel teaming with, uh-huh. Aust- teaming with Austin Idol against Lawler and Fargo in a stretcher match. And Mascaris did the job. And was hauled well, out. Him that's what every, well, see, that's what Cornette's saying. No, uh, that ain't him. Uh, <laughs> what? That a, ain't fucking him. Well, <laughs> I don't. It might have been. It might have been his brother El Cicadelico, but it wasn't him. Well, speculation is that it was Francisco Flores and not the original okay, Mexican Fra- Angel. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But and his name is actually on the Tennessee Athletic Commission report, but Jerry Jarrett maintains that they just did that so he wouldn't have to do a license because he was probably never going to come through again. But anyway, uh-huh. but, but so you're saying there's no fucking way that that was the real deal. No fucking way he was going to fucking lay down. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, we've gotten no way fu- off no topic. Fu- no fucking, no fucking way. The Combs Volunteer Fire Department of Combs, Kentucky, with the advice and consent of Logan Fields, brings something different to wrestling fans. A Sunday afternoon of the very best in ICW wrestling ever. This Sunday, June 29th at 3 o'clock at A.B. Combs Elementary School at Combs. The main event, Randy Macho Man Savage. Randy Savage takes on Leaping Lanny. And special referee, Pistol Pez Watley. But for a really wild, wild match, the ICW has demanded this Southern Tag Team title match. Champions Tony Peters and Bob Orton Jr. versus Big Boy Williams and Bob Root. Go ahead and call Fira home. No time limit. No disqualifications. Oh, man, the weapons. Well, I say if it's Peters and Orton, there must be a dead man team. But that's not all. A super grudge match. Terry Gibbs. Yeah, he used to be one of the BJs, didn't he? I guess that this guy did the hot man Versus superstar Barry O. It's Barry O. He's a superstar. The Black Widow versus Pistol Paz Watley. How come Cowboy and Spider. And the last and the least, Midget Wrestling. 83-pounder Cupid jumps on 85-pounder Wee Willie. I wondered when Logan Fields been keeping them little fellas. Can you afford to miss this? This Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock at the A.B. Combs Elementary School at Combs, Kentucky. And it's sponsored by the Combs Volunteer Fire Department. Oh,
And that is the end of part one of the Rip Rogers interview. And I just, frankly, I had to cut it off right there because for Rip Rogers, this ICW interloper who invades our studio and dares to question the validity of my claim that that was indeed Mill Mascaris in Memphis on the night of January 29th, 19... What? Will you stop, please? Good God. Wait, all right. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk off the studio. Well, no, no, don't do I, that. Leaving. Don't do that. I'm leaving. Hey, hey, it sounds like the record may have broke. Um, you know, I, I, I guess I finally kind of realized how Lance Russell must have felt when Randy Macho Man Savage invaded the WMC TV5 studio back in 1983 uh, and started talking about how Lawler's dad is dead, man. He's dead. He's not feeling good. Uh, but, uh, man, you have to love that outlaw spirit of Rip Rogers and all the ICW guys. And Rip will be back next week with more stories that will titillate and excite and maybe even discuss some of the longtime Memphis wrestling fans. Oh, my gosh. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Trav Scott Bowden. You can follow me on Facebook at Kentucky Fried Wrestling. And you can follow Brian on Twitter at Great Brian Last. For Brian, this is Scott Bowden saying Kentucky Fried Wrestling is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye, everybody. The announcers on this program are selected and paid by parties other than this station, namely the promoters of championship wrestling. <laughs>